30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another episode of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I am your Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the Nerdy South, Tyler Mack. Joined, of course, by the podfather of 30 and Nerdy, the doctor of Nerdonomics. The juice is loose, people. He's freshly squeezed. He's my favorite mutant of the podcasting world. Dr. Davis, what's up, Doc? Hello, hello, hello. Hey, man. You know, soon we'll be greeting every episode like, hello there. To oh, celebrate. that's, yes, that's Kenobi. true. Like uh, another couple months. Yeah, a couple months. I'm very excited, very excited very about excited. that. I think uh, and other than uh, uh, multi, uh, Multiverse of Madness, mm, nobody's like, you get that, yeah. Maybe okay. actually even a little more. I don't know. It's hard to hard to say. Hard to tell. Who knows? I I, I probably couldn't. Write that, that 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 trailer got me pretty yeah uh, pretty pumped up about the old Kenobi. Seeing little, you know, little I was about to say the same thing. Seeing get out of my head. Oh, oh, so good. So how's life, my friend? Oh, not so bad. Not so bad. I'm working on uh, a murder mystery with my. Uh, theater production class this nice. semester it's a well it's a comedy murder mystery you know it's uh it called? It's, a, it's called this could be murder ah. and the running gag that we've sort of uh decided to to do is they say the title you know a few times in the show uh or they specifically say something about murder every time that said, all the kids are going to strike a dramatic face and like look out at the audience and we're going to play that dun 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 sound effect and like maybe do a lighting cue and they're all going to look out and they're going to hold it for one, two, three, and then they go back to what they were doing. <laughs> and so it's it's going to be great. And I, again, I got a lot of first time yeah. uh, play players here. So that's always a fun experience seeing them experience the process for the first time and like we start to bring in elements a little bit at a time. And each time it's like, Hey, here's that prop we talked about. Oh, wow. That's great. And then yeah. when the whole thing comes together and they're just like, wow, yeah. I can't believe this is really 
happening and then they experience it. And it's just, it's such a, a great feeling that opening night experience. So the hope for the joke is before the show's over, the audience will be doing the dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I got to see if I can find some kind of way to do something like that with the audience. Yeah. It's I've, I've got some really interesting ideas for how I'm going to do this because the setting for this is like the set of a homemaker show, like basically like Martha Stewart. He's like Martha Stewart, but there's lots of twists and turns. I'm excited to see it. There's you've done some good stuff in your in your short time there, um, especially with like year one was for you was like the pandemic. <laughs> so it's like yeah. seeing, you know, that be your year one and, and how far you've come as not just a theater teacher, but what you've gotten the kids to do. It's it's really been reassuring. Not just reassuring for the talent, the young talent of the future of theater, but every time I see you excited to talk about what your kids are doing or, or what your theater, I always think back to a conversation we had sitting in the pool the summer before you decided to take the job. You know, weighing pros and cons and and you so nervous about the next step and and just... I think one of the things I said to you was, you know, if you don't, future Josh is really going to hate you. But if you do, future Josh is going to look at you and go, good boy. Good boy. And that's true. It's true. I'm really happy for you, man. I knew that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is. But yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's it's going pretty well. I got to say, I'm very, very happy. Greatly. benefited my well-being yes physically everything uh when i started doing this absolutely yeah it's a great thing it's a blessing for sure good well life has been crazy the past uh i uh can now finally talk about it um since the project's over um i have driven close to 400 miles in the last 24 hours i was selected to be in a commercial for regal cinema it filmed in atlanta outside of alfreda beautiful regal cinema i mean this is the best regal cinema i've ever seen i mean it's amazing yesterday i got off work and luckily mom decided to go with me because she wanted to surprise nolan by like you know we stayed at his place and like she did his laundry and cleaned up a little bit for him because he's in new york right now uh celebrating what is there to clean up i've been there before (laughs) bloodless what are we what are we doing here celebrating um the fact that he got approved for his school um so he will be opening a school in chattanooga um hamilton county approved it and it's going to happen and it's been like a weight lifted off of him uh we're all very excited and can't wait um so she decided to go with me, plus she knew it would be a lot of driving. So I left work yesterday and drove to Chattanooga. I uh, got a couple hours of sleep, and about 3 a.m. this morning, I was up and showered and drove the rest of the way to Atlanta to be on set by 6.30. We filmed all day, a lot of start and stop, a lot of, okay, now you guys go back to the VIP lounge, and now we'll get these people in. and. By four o'clock, we were finally wrapped 
And then I booked it back to Chattanooga, got mom. We booked it back to Morristown. I made it to rehearsal, had a rehearsal, and now I'm here. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a, an insane. Look at you. Couple so is this this going to be like a national? It is a statewide regal. For uh, Georgia? For Georgia. The state of Georgia It's a marketing campaign. And it won't even run for like a few months. But, you know, exposure. And it was a cool little story. We played it like there were Easter eggs about Top Gun. Like some people were wearing Mavericks glasses and doing little things like Maverick. It was Top Gun themed. Like, um Regal can take you to the danger zone or something like that. Or so it was like an ensemble like thing or yeah, like we were like customers. Or... We were customers. Um, you know, it was all physical acting. There weren't lines. Yeah. Um, some of the staff were in the commercial actually doing their jobs, you know, serving us. We ate so much popcorn today. Oh, lucky. <laughs> the filming. And of course, you know, there's craft station and that was fantastic, but I'm also on this strict Less than a year is my wedding diet, you know, so uh, sugar's cut down. This is actually some ridiculous diet tea that Madison has me on. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. She's like, if you drink a few times, you'll, you'll not notice the difference. There's a difference. But hey, uh, exposure. It was really cool. Got to meet some cool people. Uh, work with a cool director and I got paid $500 for it. So nice. High five. High five. Nice. So it was definitely was worth the, definitely worth the trip. That's um, awesome, brother. That's so yeah. cool. That's great to hear. I'm, I'm glad t- you had a good experience. I'm dead tired. But, yeah. but I, you know, I told mama, I was like, it's a different kind of tired. Like I got so little sleep but was doing so much of what I absolutely love to do. And not that I don't love my job, but like I got like two and a half hours of sleep showered and in the piss pouring rain drove from Chattanooga to Atlanta to do this commercial. Didn't see daylight till four (laughs) o'clock. I didn't even know it was daylight (laughs) by the time I got out. Beautiful weather. I was like, but I'm not like tired. I mean, I'm exhausted. I, I feel every mile I drove, every step I took, everything I did. But it's like I could get seven and a half hours of sleep and then go work. And I love my job at the distillery and work the same shift almost, you know, nine to five instead of seven to four or something like that. Nine to five thirty. And by the time I get home, I'm ready to put some ice packs on my feet and go to damn bed. <laughs> and I'm tired from that, and it's 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 weird. Uh, it's it's weird to to actually say why it's a different kind of tired. You're like, just like feeling accomplished and stuff. Yeah, I feel accomplished at the end of a work day that I've you know it's been busy and I've lugged boxes when we've needed them and I've done hundreds of samples and I've made great tips and I've driven there and back. You know, it's obviously not 400 miles. It's like an hour and a half both ways for work, but it's a different kind of tired, but it it was great, man. It was a lot of fun. I'm excited. I got to do it. And I'm excited. I finally get to say I did it. I couldn't talk about it until it was done because how long have you known that you're going to do it? 
A few days. Uh, last week, sometime before we even recorded the last episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Glad I get to finally say something about it. But Congratulations, man. That's thank you, brother. Great. Thank you. But amidst all of the tiredness, we are going to deliver another episode of 30 Nerdy Podcast. We got a lot to talk about. And a great topic today. We've got a little bit of nerdly news, especially in the D.C. area of things. Some good, some bad. This episode is mainly going, the breakdown is going to be celebrating the women of the X-Men. We've got quite a list. A couple I don't know a lot about and one I couldn't tell you much about. Like, I'll I'll go and say it. Polaris. Yeah, okay. I mean, I knew of Polaris, but I didn't know like deep details and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what you've scrounged up you are the architect of this episode yet again uh i have enjoyed learning a lot this month from from the doctor of nerdonomics himself it's what i do it is what What can i say yeah and last week was a lot of fun too we talked about it was uh, wrestling i I now realized after the fact that we really only focused on the wwe because frankly that's just what we know but yeah. there's also great stars in the AEW that uh, you, you should look into. Thunder Rosa. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Britt Baker is Britt my Dr. favorite over Britt there right Baker. now. Uh, so, yeah, check out AEW as well. And, yeah. you know, we forgot, like, we didn't talk about Sherry Martell. We didn't talk about Woman. Uh, we didn't talk about Miss Elizabeth. You know, all yeah. those. You know, that we could do several episodes we could literally do a month of women of wrestling. We really yeah, like could. ballets, like and sunny and stuff like that. So like the ballet ladies and then the wrestler ladies and the tag team. So yeah. there's a lot that, that we, we didn't even do. talk about Vicky Guerrero and she made an impact in women's wrestling. Yeah. Like a lot and of like the I'm, names we did. Mention. And I'm ashamed to say Vicky didn't cross my mind one time, but yeah, uh, absolutely. But so, we spent so much, so many years hating her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she made you cringe every time. But I'm sure we'll get back to, to more women of wrestling, uh, not just in the month of March. We'll talk about AEW, too. We've, we've got so much more that's unplanned throughout this season. Some A lot of planned stuff, but so much might pop up also that we need to talk about. And, and we don't like to play favorites. I mean... I I'm feel like you when I was editing the episode. I was like, they didn't mention AEW. Dang. Yeah. Or TNA or wow. And there's a lot of great. So we'll 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 get back to that. We'll we'll do another episode of about women outside the WWE and wrestlers outside the WWE sometime. This is the nerdy news. This is the nerdy news. This is the nerdy news. Uh, but we got a little bit of news to get to before we get to our ex-ladies. I've, I've talked about it every episode since it came out. Well, you're the, proud. It's it's like you're like a proud papa. I am. I am a proud papa. You know, you, uh, earned, you earned this win. You deserve this W, okay? <laughs> I don't get a lot of them when it years. comes to this. <laughs> Phase one comes along. It's great. Phase two, oh, wow, we're kicking things up big time. Phase three, it's unstoppable. Phase four. We're still in the midst of it. And finally, you get yourself a big a win. Victory. <laughs> yes. A blind squirrel finds another every once in a while. Uh, and our blind squirrel 
is the Batman. Um, blind rodent, really. The Batman is teetering ever so gently, ever so slightly near the $600 million mark. And I would imagine by the time this episode release, we'll have surpassed it, the $600 million mark, which is quite rare for a DC movie, let alone a Warner Brothers movie. So that's the great news. Um, it, it uh, as of right now, has brought in an estimated $36.8 million in North America and $49.1 million internationally, combining for $85.9 worldwide. Cumulative totals are $300.1 in North America, as of right now, $298 for international, for a grand total of $598.1 worldwide. That's right, million. Not numbers DC is used to hitting. Uh, so congratulations to the cast and crew of the Batman. It's still going strong. And there are still some places that it has not even debuted yet. So I can't wait to see the final numbers once it's done. Which is Russia. Yes. <coughs> you know, tough luck. Yep. Sorry about it. What you get when you're the bad guys in history. That's great and all. But we do have a little bit of we've got some more good and some more bad. What do you want to hear next? More good? Well, let's do some bad so that we can recover with more good. Okay, so bad. The Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League video game that has looked great. Well, I only thing I've seen was like uh, they did like a little scene with all of them on a rooftop. It was really entertaining, but it wasn't gameplay. So, like, I don't know what the game is. Yeah. I'm excited about the premise of it. Those are your four characters. It's cross-platform uh, multiplayer, so it's something that the three of us could play, me, you, and Riff. Wait, who are the who are the four characters? It is Harley. it is Deadshot, Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Boomerang, and King Shark, voiced oh, by I'm, Samoa Joe. I'm picking King Shark first. Yes, I'll probably play around with Boomerang. I feel like he'd be fun. I think all of them are going to be fun. Yeah. So it's been delayed to spring of 2023. Aww. A whole year. We well, have to maybe, wait again. Maybe by then I'll have a PS5. <laughs> if I can maybe. find it. Maybe by then the other half of the country will too. Yeah. <laughs> they want his golden ticket. Yeah, exactly. That's really the only bad. I mean, there are some... Mm, the good... Another good Superman and Lois has been renewed for season three. Hey, wow. I need to watch the first two. Mm-hmm. I told you, dude, it's the best Arrowverse show on right now. Okay. Um, let's just let's just slow down. Let's think about this. You know me pretty well, Tyler. I do, do you think. Okay, and then you can say like you love it and everything, and I can take your word for that. And there's many many things that both of us love mm. there are also many things that i love that you don't love and that you love that i don't love as much mm -hmm. would i like this show i think you would thoroughly enjoy it because it gives you an entirely different superman than we've ever seen more of the family story his kids are heavily involved and they are two quality actors um and it's very the storytelling 
is what you will love. You are a fan of storytelling. Even not being like a huge fan of Superman, am yeah. I going to be able to like get it? Uh, you know how I feel along. about him. Yeah. And I love it. Okay. All right. It's That's It's fun. been on the list anyway. So, yeah. you know, but I'll move it up there. Hey, just since we're talking about things we're, you know, watching and all that, have you seen the Adam Project yet? No. I haven't finished it. I've seen most of it. Better than Free Guy? Uh, I like it better than Free Guy. <laughs> Quite a bit. Yeah. So I recommend it. Well, the director of Free Guy who directed this is our new director for Deadpool 3. Is that... Uh, also direct Stranger Things. Levy? What? I thought that... Uh, Levy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Duh. Silly me. Okay. Because he... Uh, he put out a tweet not too long ago that said, my, my third film in my Ryan Reynolds trilogy will include death, blood, and a red suit. I thought we were talking about uh, Watini for a minute. Because I, I, I thought he directed Free Guy. Um, but Free Guy did prove that Taika Watiti can be a bigger part than Cork and be great. I enjoyed his acting. But Cork was a lot better. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Cork. So another renewal on this spaceship. You want to come? <laughs> uh, we were actually talking about this a couple weeks ago. Renewed for season nine. The Flash. My goodness gracious. You know, I As, just saw. It did not uh, say ninth and final. It just said nine. They're going to go for the for the big ten. The big ten. The, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I just saw the Danielle Penna. How do you say her name? Penna Baker. Yeah, Killer Frost. She was posting all sorts of pictures from set and stuff. She said, oh, we're smiling because we have big surprises up our sleeves. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, I believe it when I see it, lady. <laughs> the past couple seasons have not at all connected with me. No. Not one bit. Maybe so, it'll see a resurgence. I surely hope so. I hope no so. More, no more mirror world or whatever it was. Please. Oh, Lord. Along with that, also Riverdale. I mean, we don't really watch or talk a lot about, but it got renewed for season seven, I believe. I'm um, sure that many 16-year-old girls will be thrilled. <laughs> no offense uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale. I'm just playing. But no I mean, offense. I got a lot of 16-year-old girls in my class, and they love Riverdale. At Archie. Oh, and Jughead. Yeah. It's, it's Well, no, they they like the the twin. Uh, the Sprouse kid. Sprouse boy, Jughead. Oh, he's Jughead. Okay. One in Sprouse boys. Yeah. At it again. Some more good news. A long way since Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. A prequel comic book to The Batman is being written. Matt Reeves, The Batman. And it is being written by Paul Dano. And it is called Riddler Year One. Ooh, mm -hmm. okay. I'm in. I'm in. When does this? When will this arrive? When can I? It is the news here? is just Paul Dano is writing a new Riddler comic for DC Comics titled Riddler Year One. It will serve as a prequel to the Batman. Who better to do it than the man who and the Riddler himself? Beautiful. Okay, I'm in. I'm sold. I am so excited we'll about that. Learn about his experience in the orphanage, I suppose, and possibly. Uh, 
what no. drove him to plan this. Did he ever? Did they ever say what his day job was like before he started killing? He's people? a forensics accountant. <laughs> I mean, you work in the forensics world, you learn a lot. It's weird. It's like we, you know, it's kind of like our taxpayers' money taught the Riddler a lot of what he learned. <laughs> That's kind of weird to think about, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Some more news in the DC realm. Possibly. Allegedly. Allegedly. So a lot, a lot of people have been noticing that these DC pushbacks could just be a coincidence, but there's a massive movement saying that it's ironic that a lot of these pushbacks are happening to after the merger is finalized with Discover and Warner Media, because Discover will be taking over prime leadership. Sarnoff will be gone, and a few other suits, possibly Hamada. We don't know officially yet. But Zack Snyder took to Twitter and posted, this means something. Hashtag release the Snyder's cut. Hashtag AFSP. And it says it's a little it's a little logo. And it looks like that. I'm showing juice right now. Okay. And it says the entire world became a Justice League. And then it has two dates, 1117 and 318. And it's a life preserver with a heart in the middle of it. Shortly after he started that, the actor who played Jon Stewart's Green Lantern that got cut from yeah. the Snyder Cut even because Warner Brothers wouldn't let him use it, yeah. started tweeting cryptic stuff as well. Most believe that Discover is going to allow Snyder to finish his trilogy. Wouldn't that be something? That would be awesome. That would be such a uh, great way to earn forgiveness from mm -hmm. the DC fans and really make it up to everybody. It would. It would. For all the years of mismanagement of this whole entire franchise. So, yeah, I hope so. I, hope I really so. do. I really do, because I want to see that final battle with Darkseid and Deathstroke. As much as I see. Oh, yeah. Uh, and as much as I sort of cringe to say it, like, I was interested in the Jared Leto Joker thing in the Snyder Cut. The future, you know, dimension or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Because I, I wasn't a fan of his Joker, but that scene was really good. So I would, you know, like to see it play out. Absolutely. And just play out. Give him his two movies. I, me, along with a lot of the Snyder fans, I'm just a fan of Snyder. I mean, he's also the guy who brought us The Watchmen, 300, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, I'm just a fan of him. What if uh, they went What if they went big, dude? Like if they did let him you know, continue and they brought in some of the Arrowverse stuff a little bit. Multiverse stuff. You know, bring, be in, beautiful. bring in uh, Barry from CW. Because, I mean, in Crisis on Infinite Earths a couple years ago, Ezra showed up alongside. Yeah. And it was really cool. It was. So, like, if that's good, why not do more? More must be better, right? Yes. Do it. 
Some more CWDC news. Uh, I told you that Gotham Knights has been given the green light and will be a new show on the CW. Right. Has cast its Harvey Dent. Misha Collins. So Castiel so, himself. So you said, yeah, you uh, you sent that to, uh, to us today in our, our group. Next group. You're going to laugh. I got to be honest. I didn't know who in the heck I was looking at. You haven't gotten to season four. No, uh, no. Uh, so I've seen this dude before. And like now that I've gone to his Wikipedia page and see a different picture of him and everything, it's like, oh, OK, I, now yeah. I know. Um, I get it now. I I haven't seen him in anything because I haven't seen his uh, stuff in Supernatural yet. But I think that he's got a great look for like yeah. a Harvey Dent. So, hey, I'm I'm all in. And in he, Supernatural, you learn that he can play many versions of himself. Oh, now, listen, this is going to be you probably already know about this because you're a super fan. He did an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes, he did. In 2014. Now, that's a that's a big test. Like, that's something to really prove yourself, <laughs> at, at least in my book. Was he good? Oh, he's hilarious. Okay. He's actually a funny guy. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, he's great. Um, last little bit of news here. Uh, not in the DC realm. <laughs> the Witcher 4 has been announced by CD Projekt Red. The developer says that this will be the start of a new saga for the franchise. There is no release date at this time, but it will utilize Epic Games' new Unreal Engine 5. My guess is Siri will be the main character, and we may be done with Geralt in the game. Or maybe you can alternate. Yes. Or maybe they add Yennefer as a playable character based on, you know, popularity from the show or something. Or maybe you create your own Witcher. (laughs) Eh. I don't think that'd be as good. No. That wouldn't be as good because, you know what, I got to tell you, this makes me think of uh, something that happened recently. Like a year ago or so, I was at McKay's, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, for those who don't know, McKay's is a local, like, used book, music Pop. everything store like you know just any kind of media and yeah they have collectibles pops and stuff so i frequent that place i was looking through the playstation 2 games because at my mother's house i have my playstation 2 and when i'm there hanging out or whatever sometimes i'll play it and i found this 007 james bond game and it was one that i thought that i had played a lot as a kid i was like oh i remember this i love this game i want to get this i'm gonna play it and i take it home and you're not even James Bond. You're like just some random schlub that runs around with James Bond and tries to be James Bond. You're not even really him. Ooh. It was terrible. I was so disappointed. <laughs> so somehow that connects to my original point, which I don't remember what that point is. 1130. You don't want to be a created character because in this universe, it's Geralt or Yen or Siri or nothing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Don't you agree with the thing that you just said for me? I kind of felt like that about DC Universe Online. Remember, I was like touting that game for a while. But like you create your own hero and it starts out great. But then you realize like, I want to be Batman or Arrow. or Yeah, but at the same time, though, like 
connecting to current things and video games and stuff. Uh, this Hogwarts legacy game that's coming out. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought much about it. And Logan brought it up to us the other day. And I was, yeah, like, yeah I hadn't thought about that. Cause I thought it was a PS five exclusive thing, mm-hmm. which there is some PS five exclusive thing happening at some point, but it's not this. And I looked into it and I was like, wow, this is pretty, pretty cool. This seems very exciting. Right. But you know, I think that'll work, but yet we're saying like for other games, you know, it's not as cool, the role-playing element. Did you know that it takes place in the 1800s? Yes, I did. Not even near our timeline yeah. that we've seen? Yeah, I didn't know that. There might be Dumbledore. I think he would be around. Could be an opportunity for some new lore. Um, and the developer said that uh, J.K. Rowling is not connected to this title. Yeah, she's uh, she's she's sort of persona non grata all around. Did you notice? Did you ever? You did watch the HBO reunion thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we talked about it. Uh, you noticed that anytime they showed any footage of her, they made sure that they included a little uh, title thing that said, you know, recorded in 2015 or 14 or whatever before she was in trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like all of the cast is broken away from her. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to think that because like, I mean, she created this world and I think that's, what's always baffled me about her is how can you have created this world that a big driving, you know, subplot is inclusion and, you know, celebrating differences, you know, not being just pure blood. Yeah. You know, that yeah. hate is seen in it and they rise above that hate and then turn around and say hateful things about someone who is different from a different world than you. When she must know that such a a lot of that demographic that has been so insulted by her more than likely are huge fans of, of her stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little sad, but. Um, that's, that's a discussion for another yeah, time. That's definitely a, a discussion for a different time. But that's all the little bit of nerdly news I had. A lot of DC driven, but a lot happened in DC this week. Oh, a big surprise. Big surprise, Tyler. The DC Look, guys over here. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll handle uh, prep for the show this week. Oh, just Look, a few DC things, man. It's just a few DC things. I'm giving you an X Men women's episode that really wasn't planned if you listen to last week's episode people you'll hear an entire impromptu meeting of the minds like at the oh, last you know minute. how i feel about improv okay you know yeah you're a yeah, you're a student of the game um not a fan uh did Why? you uh did you listen to the post credit scene of our interview with uh with gary i have not uh-huh. what happened there's a post-credit scene it's oh. after the credits hence the name well yes i understand that i was just hoping to <laughs> fill a brother in here but I, I guess i'll just have to go see it for myself and so will you if you go yeah. uh where where can they find that and actually we interviewed a guy who worked on a marvel movie so boom marvel huh okay fair fair <laughs> I'll technicality technicality I'll give you that. It just happened to be that we connected with the Marvel employee rather than the DC employee. 
Go figure. But the second that happens, you'll know. Oh, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. You'll, you'll know. So, yeah, uh, go back if you didn't, listeners. Uh, and after the the W5 on 30 and Nerdy and the, the credits song by the amazing Beth Crowley, um, there is a post-credit scene. It's fantastic. It's amazing. This grin you have, this look you have, <laughs> this face you're making, it, it <laughs> I feel uh, this sense of like foreshadowing that it's going to be something embarrassing about me. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, not embarrassing. Oh, of course <laughs> it is. Well, like I'm sneezing or something, or like no, recorded no. a time that you've startled me when I'm it's coming better out of than that or something. Something horrible. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like that's the one thing I have not done once in the four seasons we've done this episode. This sh- this show is randomly at times just like ah. Like while you're talking or something, God, what? Well, don't get any ideas why it's well, gone. I, I got can't. a, I got a shirt hanging over here in the, uh, in the fortress. There's a shirt that's been hanging here for about two years that Zach from Advertising Expressions made specially for us. Yeah, uh, that has a certain band aid on it, and it is described with a word that Tyler doesn't enjoy. And you know what? I'm feeling generous today. <laughs> I won't use the M word. But uh, Tyler here lost some sort of a bet deal, whatever, uh, between us. And uh, at a time of my choosing, it's uh, like the ducky tie. It is like the ducky tie. He must wear said shirt. And you know, if I were someone like, you know, making the ducky tie reference if i were someone like uh neil patrick harris's character uh on how much your mother i would bring up the fact that you have a wedding coming up soon and events coming up before the wedding and a honeymoon to follow and whatnot you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> lucky for you i'm not that guy so you're safe, but I do have it. Okay, I've got that. That's ammunition. I'm, so I'm shocked. I'm, I'm also shocked that you haven't made me wear it to like a premiere, like the Batman. It's, or it's crossed my mind. It's crossed my mind a lot. Actually, Batman, it really did <laughs> strongly considered. But uh, I don't know. I guess I've just been feeling extra generous. Pretty sure that bet, that's been that bet was lost in season one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we put no expiration date on this, sir. Well, no, we didn't, I guess. That was that was not in the contract. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, Your notary <laughs> is out of date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for, like, there's there's going to be this upper echelon moment. Yeah. Like, the next time we're doing a live thing somewhere. I say, I oh, just, Jesus. You know, I don't know. It's got to be something good where people are going to see it. Or, like, if we are at... A certain Comic Con of North. <laughs> I feel like Comic Con it would it wouldn't get second looks. <laughs> I don't know. I think someone would probably be like, I've been trying to figure out like is this who a you show are that I don't know or like what's what I'm missing here. But there's got to be a story. Can you explain this? To me? <laughs> and then it's great exposure for us, you know. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's my plan. See, really, it, 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 it's not really to, you know, make you uncomfortable or to embarrass you. It's to help our show. Absolutely. There's method to the madness. 
There's method in your madness. So said um, William Shakes. And there's madness in your method. Billy Shakes. Oh, Billy Shakes. So you mentioned sponsor. We must mention our, our newest sponsor. Our amazing. Oh, our fine, fine sponsor. Our great friends over at Manscaped, you mean? Yes. Yes. Our, our nerdstical saving folks at Manscaped. That's right. Support for this podcast, 30 and Nerdy Podcast, is brought to you by the great people at Manscaped. Now, Manscaped is the best place to go for gentlemen's and nerds alike below the waist grooming. Because we have nerd friends and nerd listeners who are around the clock nerds like gaming for hours and days upon a time, which I used to do. There used to be some serious Halo tournaments at the BCM at Walter State for hours. There was even an overnight Halo tournament once, and it was a nightmare. But I've, fun. I've been there. I've done yes. Um, where, you know, we're guys. Most of us, statistically, we're bigger guys. Um, well, Manscaped has a uh, solution for that. In its new performance package 4.0, you are not just going to get the tools for your family jewels the to keep them pristine. You are also going to get the tools to keep them clean around the clock. Uh, that's right, deodorants. We've got toners. We've got the Lawnmower 4.0, which is fantastic because it has a light for better guiding. And it is water resistant. So guess what? You can save water and do it all in one blow. And if the power goes out, you're okay because there's this nice little flashlight on the end so you can see what you're doing. It's perfect. Exactly. Absolutely. And as we said in the last episode, the boxers, completely comfortable. Oh, super comfortable. The most comfortable piece of underwear material that you will put on yourself, guaranteed. And that's true because these days, a lot of people, especially men, they take the cheap outing and they go to Walmart and they get a 12 pack or whatever. Those boxers don't take care of you the way that these do. And you get the performance package 4.0. You get this really cool leather case to put it all in, which I it's you can tell that I've reached the the adult moment when that's one of the more exciting parts of what Manscaped sent us was the carrying case. <laughs> Nothing makes you feel like more of a man than having a carrying case for all exactly. your grooming. Your Absolutely. Grooming. You need a good sack to carry all of your tools in. So the fun part about this is the amazing people at Manscaped who sponsor this show have given us an exclusive code just for you the listener. So if you go to Manscaped today, that's right. Don't take our word for it. Join us and the other 4 million plus men who are using Manscaped today. The millions and millions of Manscaped users. Go to Manscaped. You customize your performance package. Tell them what you want and they get you ready. Use when you check out, use the code 30 A N P that's three zero A N P and you get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. 
That's a deal, Lucille. So thank you to the amazing people at Manscaped for sponsoring 30 and Nerdy Podcasts. And don't forget, if you don't believe us, check it out. But when you check out, use the code 30ANP. That's 30ANP at checkout. A nerd vocabulary word actually came to me while we uh, were sitting around the VIP lounge, as it's called, at Regal. And this place is cool, man. So, like, if you're a VIP in the Regal, you know, like, uh, other theaters have their membership things, the stub whatever at the AMC um, that we throw back and forth on. Should we? I would probably rather be in the Regal VIP because their VIP lounge, dude, full bar, uh, couches, really comfortable couches, massive big screens that like if you get there early you can stop by the bar they have your own private concession stand and something that's not in the main concession stand a soft served ice cream machine ice cream you say an ice cream machine what flavors they got in this ice cream? And vanilla your own popcorn machine your own soft serve machine there's your a own, bar whoa your own popcorn machine yeah, it's like just this for, the, for the lounge. Thing. Yeah, for the lounge. Okay, okay. Just go get your stuff. I'm picking oh, up what you're throwing down. Yeah. Um, massive TVs that, like, if you get there early and you want to chill out, they've got these massive TVs playing, like, the game, Jeopardy, or whatever's on. Right. You're like, dude, we're 40 minutes early for the Batman. Well, guess what? We're VIPs. And guess what? They didn't pay me to say this. I was just so in love with the VIP lounge that we got to stay in. But I was I was uh, sitting around working on some podcast stuff, editing the uh, actually our, our our website is now up to date. I have completely revamped the site. It is revamped. It is up to date with season four. It has got some new stuff in the directory. Our new uh, T public store links are there. And all that fun stuff. Uh, so I thought of this word, solipsistic nerd. Wow. Solip, S-O-L-I-P, cystic, S-I-S-T-I-C, solipsistic. A nerd that think his or her nerddom is the only one that matters. Some Marvel fans can be solipsistic, believing that nothing matters outside the Marvel Universe. Some anime fans can be really solipsistic. Be like, okay, with your comic books and your stuff and your things, but have you seen the 52 different animes that are out? I hear there's even one about a baking show. Yeah. This is true. It's very true. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's damn true. I think um, I'm the one who told you that, am I not? You are. You are who told me you that. No, it's no wonder that you're a paid actor. I, if people could just see the facial expression <laughs> he makes when he says, some Marvel fans <laughs> really telling me a story here. Well, I think that's a great word, but I have, have we not had a version of this word before? Like, I feel like something else has been, oh, well, you're snobby about other things and you only like your thing. There is a version. Wasn't that, what was, wasn't that last week's thing? No. Was it? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you'll just have to go to 30thmanypodcast.com, which is up to date, folks. And there you can find, I'm sure, all of the nerd words. All of the nerd vocabulary words. And this one seems really familiar. I promise you I'm not at the point of recycling yet. I do have some really good new ones. It's just the first one that's on my list because I added it to the top today. Well, I loved it. And I loved your description of it especially so well it's just i uh i think i've as you all listened a few weeks ago i vented about a certain fellow employee that i work with at at, at the distillery that grinds my gears he's solo solo slipstick whatever the word i said was he's very much that way like he about like cryptid lore and stuff like that like like he calls him he's a nerd and yes he wears he plays D and he watches the marvel movies and reads the comics and knows a lot of like marvel and dc lore and all that but if you don't know about the el huapa huapa from whatever that's been seen twice <laughs> you know He'll name some cryptid, and I'm like, ah, dude, I know about, like, Bigfoot, Nessie, and the Mothman. Like, you know, sorry. Um, well, can you really call yourself a nerd, Tyler, if you're not versed? And I swear to you, this is how he talks, and this is the conversation he's had with me before. Can you really call yourself a nerd tyler if you're not versed in every corner of nerddoms Uh, i'll I'll just go again i mean yeah (laughs) yeah you can it's okay to only know about 80 percent of nerd culture and not know about a hundred. I don't know anybody. Well, it's okay to know five percent. No, that's yeah. not it's okay to know like twenty-five percent. Yeah. We'll give you twenty-five. A quarter. A quarter. So that's your nerd vocabulary word, possibly a, a, a synonymic synonymous version of a word I used last week or the week before. I uh, can't remember. All these days are running together. That's your nerd vocabulary word. We are going to uh, step away and take a quick intermission. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about the lovely ladies of the X-Men. When 30 Nerdy Podcast returns. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015. Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award winning silky smooth salted caramel whiskey to our King Snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small town vibe, our family and friend owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, and smiling staff. Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice. Whether it be Richard's damn good gin, 
or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind-the-scenes features, new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now, we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Encore is continuing their exciting 16th season with The Magician's Nephew by Arndt Harris and based on the fantasy classic by C.S. Lewis. This production runs March 18th through the 26th at Encore's new home at Oak Tree Plaza, 1570 Buffalo Trail in Morristown, Tennessee. For tickets to this show or season tickets for the entire year, go to etcplays.org or call 423-813-8331. Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts, and if you come check out what Encore has to offer, we're certain you will too. Because it's not just theater, it's Encore. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes. We are celebrating women still here in the month of March, and this is the impromptu episode that if you listened to the last week's episode, you got to witness uh, a very impromptu, hey, let's throw this episode in there. Juice was feeling that Marvel was being left out a little bit in the month of March, so we are continuing our celebration with the women of the X-Men, our X-Women. Our femme fatales of Professor Charles Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. The ex-ladies. The ex-ladies. Sort of sounds almost like it's bad or inappropriate when you put the ex, but it's not. It's really not. It's wholesome for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So the X-Men franchise was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1963 and were first seen in Marvel's The X-Men number one in September of that same year. Since then, there have been dozens of heroes and even the occasional villain to join the ranks of the X-Men for a time. Although a fair amount of the characters to join the X-Men were female, today we are going to discuss 
a few of the female characters who are most commonly associated with the X-Men. So we have uh, the top 10 female X, X ladies of, uh, of the, uh, the X-Men universe that we felt that the top 10 that we wanted to discuss. Yeah. And this is sort of not like our official ranking of them. No. It's just sort of like how I did it, but based on, yeah, these are sort of the more important ones at the end, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought we would start with sort of the smaller, uh, not necessarily less important characters, but yes. maybe they're not an official part of the team. Not as the prominent. Like that. They're, they're not the, the tentpole-like consistent yeah. members. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, the number 10 is Moira McTaggart. And now she is known as Moira X because mm -hmm. like originally she wasn't a mutant, right? But now it's been discovered that she is, she is actually a mutant, uh, but we'll get to that. So uh, Moira, she debuted in the uncanny X-Men number 96, which was in December of 1975. And she was created by writer. Let me start this again. Good Lord. Sorry, dude. I'm sorry. She debuted in the Uncanny X-Men number 96 in December of 1975 and was created by writer Chris Claremont and artist David Cockerman. You're going to hear these two names a lot, especially Claremont. He was huge with the X-Men, uh, especially early on. Uh, now, Moira was a geneticist and expert in mutant affairs and even sometimes romantically linked to Professor X himself. And she kind of helped him co-create Cerebro. Mm -hmm. I, if I had known that she uh, was a part of that, I'd forgotten about it. I'm sure it's probably one of those obvious things, but I just it kind of caught me by surprise for a second. I was like, wait a minute, did I know that? Uh, but that's pretty cool. She founded the Earth's largest and most comprehensive mutant research complex, which is on Muir Island, which in the X-Men franchise, uh -oh. you Muir Island all the time, right? And she is the mother of the villain... Proteus, who has reality warping and possession powers, which is why she was, uh, you know, she felt the pull to help mutants and to create this facility to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of the Muir Island X-Men, which was a team that was created in 1989 and led by Banshee, of all people, uh, she was a part of that, Moira was. She has perfect memory and the ability to uh, camouflage herself and her powers from certain other mutant abilities. Mm. Uh, recently, it was revealed, as I said earlier, that she is a mutant with the power of reincarnation. So she's actually had like four, five, six, seven lives or something like yeah. that. Now, I found this out because uh, on, let me plug the website that I was looking at here. It was the it's like the Marvel official wiki Marvel or something like that. Um, anyway, they had a section that was labeled trivia. And on a lot of these characters, I would look at just some of the cool random uh, trivia things. And I found out that Moira has the same rare blood type as Wolverine and it's blood type E. It's interesting. It's like a fictional thing just for Marvel. Yeah. So that's a cool little nifty, uh, 
piece of trivia about Moira. Uh, now, live action Moira, she was featured briefly in X-Men The Last Stand back in, what, 2007 or whenever that came out, played by Olivia Williams. We saw her sort of like on a video thing with Xavier um, on Muir Island talking about research. And then she was a big part of the X-Men First Class uh, series, especially the first movie played by Rose Byrne. And this was when they took her in a different direction. And she was like a CIA agent. Uh, mm -hmm. which was sort of a cool story. And then we got that romance with uh, her and Xavier yes. and all that stuff. So that's Moira McTaggart, Moira X. Moira X. So my uh, one thing that I wanted to add to this, this, these notes that you uh, have beautifully compiled um, oh, is uh, my live action casting moving forward. Okay. I have two for this. I don't have two for a lot of them, but I have two that I could not solidify who I would want to see as Moira. One is Daisy Ridley. Oh, good choice. And the other is Emma Watson. I could see that. I, I that's one that's want pretty good. I think, uh, I think Emma Watson because uh, I think Daisy Ridley could do a couple of other ones. Yeah. So we'll keep her in mind. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like the idea of, of that second choice there. Yeah. I thought it'd be let's, a good one. Let's move on to number nine. This is one that I think neither of us, we really know a lot about it. Like we know she exists and we know yeah. kind of what she looks like and all that. But I can't tell you much storyline about her because I haven't been an avid like comic book reader. I just sort of know a lot of these stories in passing or read them a long time ago. But number nine is Lorna Dane, also known as Polaris, the mistress of magnetism. Now, uh, Polaris debuted in the X-Men number 49 in October of 1968. She was created by Arnold Drake and Don Heck. She is a mutant with abilities of flight and electromagnetic spectrum manipulation. And it is confirmed now, uh, pretty much I believe, that she is the daughter of Magneto. That's sort of been hinted at and, excuse me, and alluded to uh, for many, many years, but never like definitely confirmed. There was one time where it was said, no, she's definitely not. Um, and I can't remember the details on that, but we tried to make us think, no, it's not, whatever, we're going to let that go. But then turns out, you know, plot twist like there always is, she is actually Magneto's daughter. So that gives her brownie points for me because I love everything Magneto. Um, I learned about Polaris that her green hair is one of the quirks of her mutation. It's interesting. Yes. And she inherited, uh, apparently, her father's propensity for mental illness and depression and, and anxiety and things like that. That's been a big uh, part of her character development. Now, I do not you know, have a lot of experience with Polaris and any sort of media. She was featured in a couple of episodes of the X-Men animated series and actually did go back and sort of look for some of that, uh, but really nothing super prominent. I, I think she was presented as uh, Bobby Drake's girlfriend in an episode or something like that. Um, so I don't, you know, have a lot of experience with her. I did find out that she was featured on that show, The Gifted, that lasted for like a couple of years played by actress Emma Dumont. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have not looked further into that, but uh, you know, you don't hear much about the gifted. So 
Don't know no. if that's worth the watch. You don't. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I watched uh, a few episodes of it. Uh, it's it's wild. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, uh, it's it's not bad. I just never finished it. Uh, when I was doing a little research on Polaris, uh, I I thought of an actress that really hasn't done much that I have seen. Uh, the main thing I have seen her in is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. The most recent one, the last one they did. Uh, it's Kaya Scottolario. Who did she, she play in Pirates? played Barbosa's daughter. Oh. Girl. Yeah. I thought that either her or even here you could plug in Daisy Ridley. Do you think you got that idea because of the bad guy father? Yeah. I think that it kind of subconsciously and, and Barbosa sort of became that sympathetic villain yeah. in the end that we've grown to love. Just yeah. like Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just kind of played subconsciously played on my, uh, my decision on who to cast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so, that's okay. That's a good choice. I think there's a lot of great. See, the thing is, is there are a lot of great women currently out there that could be any of these characters that and things that we we don't even talk about on the day to day um it's just if you if you get a chance um i didn't do this uh hopefully some of the names i mentioned through this throughout this are in some of the fan castings but uh, if you get a chance you know type in like moira mctaggart fan cast and after our uh after our last Dreamcast episode about the Marauders after it aired, I went and researched some of the stuff and a lot of people that we said made the cut for a lot of other people's Dreamcast of the Marauders. Good. Um, so I think it'd be interesting after this airs to, for us to dive into some other people's fan casting for these characters. Uh, but yeah, I think Kyle would be a fantastic Polaris. And I think that the MCU is a, a great place to play with Polaris a little bit. I think yeah. that they'd be able to tell that story uh, quite well. They do good. Possibilities are endless at this point. And, you know, obviously we're going to get uh, X-Men soon mm -hmm. in some way, we assume. And hopefully some Magneto stuff. And then in turn, maybe Polaris. So yeah. you never know. Yeah. Or realistically, they could do whatever they want, bring her in first, I guess. But. We'll see. That's true. So let's move on to the next female of the X-Men that uh, we want to mention, and that would be Jubilee, a.k.a. Jubilation Lee. Debuted in the Uncanny X-Men number 244 in May of 1989. I, uh, I am older than Jubilee. I am not. Wow. Uh, created by artist Mark Silv Silvestri and writer Chris Claremont. Mutant with the ability to generate pyrotechnic energy blasts, like fireworks, from her hands and can create mental psionic shields, a natural defense against telepathy. Youngest member of the X-Men upon time of joining, played psychic role to Wolverine, spent time as a vampire, and even turned Wolverine. Yeah. That's that's a deadly combo. Not just as he Wolverine, but he's a freaking vampire. 
Good Lord. Suffers from dyscalculia. Dyscalculia. Severe difficulty with math. I feel her there. I definitely have that. Yeah. (laughs) However you pronounce it. Dyscalculia. 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 Yeah. Uh, Hated Christmas because it reminded her her of her deceased family. But this changed after she met and rescued Santa Claus. Jubilee saves Christmas. <laughs> Voiced by Allison Court in the 90s animated series. Uh, Allison was also the clown on the Big Punk Comfy Couch. You remember that show? I do. She has yeah. a TikTok. Uh, Allison Court does? She does a lot of duets with the official TikTok of Bear in the Big Blue House. Out of the box. And Ooh. stuff like that. They do a lot of duets and stuff together. Nice. As they're old characters. Like she's dressed so, up and she wears the hat. Yeah, she's dressed up fully in it. Um, and she has had sadly not not a lot of respect in the live action world. Not much. Uh cameos in the X-Men films, and Lana Condor is plays her in a pocket. Whoops. And was it was sort of forgettable, right? Yeah. She was in a car. Yeah, I don't remember much about her. Convertible scene. I don't remember much about Apocalypse. Apocalypse (laughs) is, you know, we liked it better than uh, Dark Phoenix or whatever it was, for sure. That's a low bar. Yeah, but that one is definitely, both of them really are forgettable. Um, In the original ones, the old uh, 90s uh, ones, Jubilee is like a student in the mansion there's a time like she has a scene where she raises her hand and i think it was a deleted scene where he specifically yeah. calls her jubilee yeah um but yeah it's where uh it's the deleted scene where bobby freezes the fire in yes uh, pyro's hand yeah yeah um i think there's only one person i want to uh see in this role officially but i do have a second follow-up my first one is jamie chung from once upon a time, she's Mulan. Okay. She's also in Dragon Ball. She plays Chi Chi, um, that terrible live action Dragon Ball movie. Um, she'd be fantastic, but also a new blood actress, Jenny Ortega, who I have fallen in love with. She is a horror horror icon already. She's in the newest Scream as a lead role, and she's in that new movie coming that's come just come out called X where they go to the farm to shoot an adult film. It's in the trailer for that. looks pretty scary. Mm. It's apparently really good. Uh, I think she'd make a good Jubilee, but I also have her as a dream cast for our next character that we're going to discuss. Uh, and that's Psylocke. Betsy Braddock. Debuted in Captain Britain, number eight, December of 1976. Created by writer Chris Claremont and artist Herb Trimpe. Powerful mutant telepath, master martial artist, master telepathic and telekinetic combatant, and trained pilot. Started as a supporting character in the adventures of her brother, Brian, a.k.a. Captain Britain, a mantle she adopted herself for a time. Being began going by Psylocke in New Mutants Annual Number 2, October of 1986, when joining the X-Men. Body switched with Quanon, an assassin ninja, 
Quanon permanently became Psylocke after Betsy Braddock then it became the new Captain Britain. Again, that's a name that I think that we will start to hear more of. I think we'll be getting some Captain Britain in the next phase or so. Really? I think so. Why not? I think we'll be getting Captain Britain sooner rather than later. In, in a 1989 story, an amnesiac... Be- oh, so she has amnesia in this storyline uh betsy is kidnapped by the hand who brainwashed and alter her physical appearance to take on an east asian appearance the changed look was kept due to the positive response from the audience she was seen in x-men last stand played by myling melon Khan, and of course the more known appearance of psylocke is x-men apocalypse played by the beautiful olivia munn yeah, but I don't remember anything about it. She was uh, she was with Apocalypse for a while. She was one of the horsemen. I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, she was one of the horsemen. I don't remember anything she did. I know I she, cut a lot of, she cut a lot of stuff in half with that telekinetic sword, that psionic sword that she uses from her yeah. hand. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Shea Michelle from Pretty Little Liars would be good or Jenny Ortega. My pick would be Brenda Song. Oh, Brenda would be good. Seen her recently. She's come a long way since London Uh, Tipton. (laughs) I saw, I've been watching this show, Superstore. Yes. Good show. It is a good show. I haven't watched all of it. I've done like. You know, uh, the lead girl, the white one, kind of, you know, not heavy, but not. This is the manager girl. Yeah. Yeah. She got her start as an actress in Scare Tactics. Bina is her yeah. name. Uh-huh. That's where she got her start. Was an act a scare tactics actress. Uh she was she went to like Second City or somewhere too. Yeah. So she's pretty good. Pretty uh, funny show too. Funny. Brenda Song was uh, a guest on that show a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking, I was like, that looks like Brenda Song. Is that Brenda Song? And it was. So that's that's my pick. Man, my first memories of Psylocke uh were in the uh the X-Men uh, game, yeah. What yeah. was it? X-Men Legends? Legends. Back in the day. That's my first introduction to Psylocke. She also was on the animated series a couple of times, but not in a memorable way, at least for me. Uh, nothing, no big storylines or anything like that. But Psylocke's a pretty cool character. I like the, the purple theme. Yeah. The yeah, I like that. Hair, the ninja look, that little psionic dagger, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Really cool. All right. I guess we'll move on to the next ones. Now, these two names, super popular. Um, and number six, one of my favorites, at least in my top 10 as far as X-Men franchise goes. And that's Emma Frost, the White Queen. She debuted in the Uncanny X-Men number 129 in January of 1980. She was created by writer Chris Claremont and artist and co-writer John Byrne. Now, Emma is a mutant with high-level telepathic abilities. She's super powerful. And she also has this diamond form that uh, she can physically change into to protect herself. However, that diminishes her psychic abilities. She is known uh, for her sort of dry wit, uh, her personality. And uh, originally, she started out as an enemy of the X-Men. We know as a member of the Hellfire Club. 
And the co she became later on co-headmaster of the new Xavier School for Gifted Younger Youngsters, where she trained the Generation X generation of mutants. She was uh, co-headmasters with Scott Summers, Cyclops, her boyfriend. After Jean dies, right? Yeah, and there was this thing where uh, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but like she projected into Scott's head them hooking up while he was still with gene or something like that like it was a big trick from what i remember i should have looked into this but yeah there was some uh steamy saucy shenanigans. shenanigans going on there with old emma frost yeah but i mean that's sort of you know part of her character she's sort of sultry part of her charm and yeah you know so she briefly hosted the phoenix force that's one of her uh, random trivia tidbits i didn't know about that and apparently at some point in time in the marvel universe captain america said that emma frost reminded him of his very own mother sarah rogers isn't that sweet isn't that cute captain america had a hot mom <laughs> We've had a couple of live action um, appearances of Emma Frost. We had the wonderful X Men Origins Wolverine movie, which I haven't seen in many, many years because at the time yeah. I sort of enjoyed it. Yeah, you probably and, should you know, go back and watch it. The timeline, you know, moved it around this way and that a bunch of times. But uh, anyway, she was a part of that, played by. Uh, Tanya. Tanya, I suppose. Tanya she was like the younger sister of Wolverine's love interest. Uh, from what I remember, the diamond form kind of looked weird. Don't yeah. Uh, her diamond form in Origins looked a lot like those diamond fox things in Last Jedi. Very pointy. Like... Well, so was the first class version, the January Jones version. Uh, we recently, like last summer or something, yeah. celebrated the 10-year anniversary of first class, and we talked a lot about Emma Frost in that one. And I remember seeing in that movie that that diamond form looked really bad. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of, because I yeah. can't exactly recall the uh, Origins one. Well, I mean, the, the, the big problem with both of these is technically – they should be about the same timeline, should they not? X-Men Origins Wolverine should be near the first class timeline. Yeah. The whole but timeline was just... It was so catastrophic. It went all over the place. Yeah. It, it felt like a, a DC timeline. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I like Emma Frost. I hope that the MCU brings her in, uh, especially with her ongoing story as the foe uh i think it's the best bet to bring her in when you start bringing in these x-men is she needs to start out where she started as the bad guy i agree uh that movie though x-men origins the wolverine one we should sometime we should add that to our list of movies that are kind of considered bad and going yeah. back and, and watching them and talking about them we should add that one to yeah. the list i'd be we curious our, our, our uh our redemption arcs yeah exactly it's sort of like we don't really need that one anymore because we we had logan and all that and there was another solo wolverine 2 wolverine 2 like where he was in japan 
Yeah. The only thing I remember about it was the post credit scene with Magneto and Xavier setting yeah, it up for it's, uh, it's Days, up, of Days of Future Past. And, like, literally it's like Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine. And then they called the sequel The Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. How creative. Yeah. So number five on our list, while not often a teammate or an ally necessarily of the X-Men, in some versions she is, uh, but it's Mystique. You can't talk about females in the X-Men franchise and not talk about Mystique. I no. mean, she's one of the OG villains, right? Yeah, We're talking about Raven, Darkholm, Mystique. She debuted in Miss Marvel, number 16. Uh, I, I did know that one, actually, but I'd forgotten about it. So that was another, like, oh, yeah, kind of thing. That was April 1978. So it wouldn't be out of the question to see a Mystique debut in the upcoming series miss i suppose it's not out of the question that would be awesome she was created by chris claremont and artist david cockrum she is a mutant with shape-shifting abilities who can mimic the appearance and voice of any person with precision she's the mother of nightcrawler grayson creed who's also the son of Sabretooth, and the adoptive mother of rogue she attempted one time to seduce Gambit. She snuck into the X-Mansion. She pretended to be rogue and tried to seduce Gambit. Uh, anyway, they figured it out. They caught her. And then she joined the X-Men after that. Long story. Uh, yeah. She's often depicted as Magneto's second in command. But actually, she did not interact with him all that often in the comics. They were not always this little uh, pairing. No. Even though she was a part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and so was he, of course. They, you know, beyond that, really, there was yeah, The live-action movies were where they pushed It was kind of like Magneto had his pets. You know, we yeah. had Toad, and he had Mystique, and he had Sabretooth, all of them who were, you know, very animalistic types mm-hmm. of characters. And, yeah. you know. He had, he, his to- he had his Toad, his Sabretooth Tiger, and his Chameleon. There you go. Um, I enjoy Rebecca Romaine's because that's what we, you know, our initial Mystique was. Uh, I think Jennifer Lawrence did well with Mystique. Um, in 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 her her own way, it was a little more humanistic, I guess, is what she. Well, since she was meant to be a, a protagonist, so yeah, yeah, she was, and and. Yeah, she was fine. I, I liked her in that part, but I just didn't really love the Mystique story in, in the first class series. I like her better as just a full-on bad guy. Yeah. To be honest with you. So my two uh, fan castings for these, uh, Emma Frost, have you seen Annabelle? No. Ah, I figured not. Of course not. Um, in the first Annabelle movie, the woman... Uh, her actress name is actually Annabelle Wallace. She would be a perfect Emma Frost. And I hope that all of you all listening will look these up on IMDb. If you agree, let us know. If you disagree, let us know who you think would be better. Uh, and my mystique, Kristen Stewart. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Especially after seeing her in Char- Charlie's Angels. I was like, heck yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. She'd be great as mystique. Okay, I'm here for it. I don't I don't have any picks off the top of my head, but I like those. What about what about Daisy Ridley for Mystique? Okay. Daisy Ridley could also be Mystique. 
Ooh, what about Mila Kunis as Emma Frost? I don't know. She kind of needs to be blonde to Mila Kunis. Yeah, probably not. No, no, no. But she could maybe be a mystique. If you went a little younger, that uh, what is her name that did the uh, the Queen's Gambit? Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't know her name. She would be good. I know she's actually a front runner to be the next rendition of Harley Quinn in Matt Reeves' universe. Universe. Well, she would start out as Dr. Harleen Quinzel, but. Oh, okay. Here's an idea. This is a crazy idea. This one's probably going to get me teased a little bit. We can play with like the ages of people, right? Sure. What about like, what about like a really young um, Angela Kinsey, Angela from the office for Emma Frost? Like pre-office Angela Kinsey? Yeah. Like 20s or so. You know, was doing improv. She's a beautiful woman. Um, the blonde hair, the stern, sort of dry yeah. uh, personality that she portrays in real life. She's not like that at all. But no, I don't hate it. That's a sort of weird off the wall thing. But but I'm hey, just, I'm just we like, out loud. we like off the wall. I guess I'm telling you, man, I'm in a whole new realm of mentality. To the point where after Affleck is Batman, Pattinson is Batman, Ledger is Joker, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with the whole pre-determining how I'm going to feel about somebody in a role until I see it. Good. Uh, so Progress. a 20s Angela Kinsey, bring it on as Emma Frost. I think she'd be great. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if I were to see it and not like it, then I don't like it, but send your hate tweets to uh, yes at nerdy jd one on Twitter. You sucked. You were <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so let's move on to our uh, beginning of our descending. Uh, we've got Kitty Pride, aka Sprite, aka Shadow Cat, debuted in Uncanny X Men number one twenty nine in January of nineteen eighty, created by. Chris Claremont, and John Byrne, mutant with phasing ability that allows her to become intangible. Youngest to join the X-Men and portrayed as a kid sister to many older members of the team. She has a longtime companion, Lockheed, who is an alien dragon. As of the Marauder series, she is now informally known as Captain Kate Pride and the Red Queen, of the Hellfire Trading Company. She is Jewish, recently involved with Star-Lord of the Marvel Universe, but don't worry, they broke up. Um, She is named after a classmate of John Burns from art school in Calgary in 1973. And of course, our Kitty Pride that we have seen so far is Elliot Page, who I think did phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. He was great. Um, I think you're going to like my casting. Okay. Millie Bobby Brown. That's really interesting. And I could see that one for sure. But I was thinking uh, Kathy from Stranger Things. Oh, Mike's sister. Yeah. I like that better. Yeah. Yeah. 
she does have more of a Kitty Pride look. Maybe it's the eleven ness of her that rubs off on me, but I kind of would want to see her as like a stronger, you know. Maybe she could be a young Emma Frost or something. Yeah, maybe she could be a young Jean Grey. Why maybe. not? We'll get to Jean. We'll we'll discuss Jean when we get to her because obviously she's on this list. Uh, but yeah, I like I like uh, Mike's sister better as as a Kitty Pride, definitely. And now, my favorite female X Men of the entire group, Rogue, Anna Marie, now LeBeau. Yes, debuted in Avengers Annual number ten, August of nineteen eighty one, created by Chris Claremont and Michael Golden. Mutant with the ability to absorb life force, abilities, memories, personality, and physical characteristics of other via skin-to-skin contact. Other abilities include fight, flight, superhuman strength, speed, and durability. She was adopted by Mystique, part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, discovered abilities when she kissed a boy and put him in a coma, wound up joining the X-Men and marrying Gambit who was always courting her in the 90s cartoon series and, of course, the comics. Come on, Shea. Love their relationship. I do, too. Nah, Come on, Shea. Now, I love Rogue. I love her in the comics. I love her introduction. I love her storyline of absorbing Captain Marvel's powers. I love her, the idea that maybe she's introduced as the villain in the next Captain Marvel movie. Ooh. That would be great. I love her in, in the show, especially her accent. And because I love her so much, made me strongly, strongly dislike poor Anna Paquin's casting and character choice for Rogue. As we are theater kids, we are fans of something different. We've both played the Cowardly Lion. We both played them very differently. We both played them very well. Anna Paquin didn't bring much to me for me to say it was a good different. There was no real accent. Just because you have the Southern accent, kind of, doesn't mean you're playing a Southern Belle. And Rogue is, like, very much Southern Belle. Come on, sugar. She's got the flirtation. She's got the... She might as well give her a bald a belt dress and a fan and send her to the cotillion. She's that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I don't know that she would actually do that, but you know, maybe sometimes she does have those moments of like, you know, I just want to be like a normal girl too. I just want to wear pretty dresses and stuff. So I guess that's true. Yeah. And I love her. I love Rogue in every iteration, except for what we were given in the live action world. Yeah. And I like Anna Paquin. I, I'm indifferent. Didn't watch a lot of True Blood, but I liked her in it. I she her... definitely played her like broody emo rogue, you know. Yeah, I did enjoy the deal with the the hair, the hair, the hair coming from her overuse of her yeah. power at the Statue yeah. of Liberty thing. I don't know how the rest of the world feels about that, but I thought that was cool. But I did like the rogue cut of Days of Future Past more. I did feel like her character did, for once, bring some stuff to the movie that I, I felt was needed. Like, 
they ended up needing her. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm extremely hard on Anna Paquin's rendition and those live action movies a lot because of just rogue in general, because every other X-Men was cast so well in that trilogy, but her. So it makes it a little difficult, but some people, as we said, may feel differently. And if you do, that's fine. That's what I love about America, baby, is we can have difference of opinions. Um, but let's move on to uh, the uh, my live casting for her. I got two. Alexandra Daddario from Percy Jackson. She's the main girl. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember which god is her mom. Or Maya Hawk yeah. from Stranger Things. Who's that? Maya Hawk. She was introduced in uh, season three. Robin. Oh, Uma Thurman's kid. Yeah. Right. For Rogue? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had somebody in mind just now. I'm. Let me look her up because I can't remember her name. She's been in a couple of things. She was in uh, the movie version of uh, The Watcher. And she was in Dumplin'. Her name is Odia Rush. Yes. Odia Rush. Dumplin' was, was funny. And she did a southern accent yeah. in Dumplin'. She did. So she's only 24. She'd be good. I like that casting, too. Yeah. I like that. So, shall we move to our final two, my friend? Our top two. I think these are like, it's pretty much hard to argue that these are the top two. Yeah. Pretty, pretty tough. As much as I love Rogue, as I've said, there's no argument that these are your top two ladies of the X-Men. And three is absolutely a respectable place for yeah. Rogue. You know. Absolutely. So number two, probably not a surprise to anyone, is Storm, Aurora Monroe. She debuted in Giant Size X-Men number one in May of 1975, which was sort of the relaunch of the X-Men. It combined the newer X-Men with the original versions like with Gene, Cyclops, and Beast. Uh, was created by, or she was created rather by Lynn Wayne and Dave Cockrum. She is a mutant with psionic abilities uh, to manipulate weather patterns over a vast area, control atmospheric pressure, temperature modification, ecological empathy, flight, and lightning manipulation and immunity. However, on the other end of things, she has crippling claustrophobia, which has been something that has been, you know, featured. Dozens and dozens of times in, in many of her stories, yeah. especially in the um, animated show. The animated show. Yeah. Now, her white hair is not a mutation. It is actually part of her genetic legacy. And we knew this one. Uh, most people did. She was married to Black Panther. But apparently this was I talked to you about this the other day. Yeah. I read that she had a relationship with Wolverine at some point before one of the storylines where he died. And I read that line of comics. It was like a four-part series. I got all of them. I read them when they came out. And I don't remember that at all. Um, they hinted towards it in uh, the, the Rogue cut, especially of Days of Future Past. They hinted towards it. There was a, in the Rogue cut, there's a kiss before he gets sent back. Really? Yeah, they kiss. She says, come back to me. And he goes, I will. And they kiss. I'm, I'm going to have to watch that you again. You could watch the, the blooper. 
their first time kissing. They make out and he walks away and she goes, I got to kiss you, Jackman. <laughs> and I'm like, but he's probably like, oh, my God, I got to kiss Halle Berry. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so another thing I learned that the name Aurora, I don't know what the language is. I couldn't find that information. Uh, I, then again, I didn't look very hard. But Aurora, it means beauty. I bet it's and- like. Wakanda or Wakandan. <laughs> well, I figured maybe it was like it is. It's like sort of African, African descent. Aurora, Swahili, maybe. I, I really don't know. Aurora. She was played, of course, by Halle Berry in the original X Men movies. I feel like she sort of did the accent in the first movie, yes. and then it kind of fizzled out over the last two. Yeah, and all the other uh, versions of her. And then yeah. recently in the first class series, starting with, I guess it was Apocalypse mm-hmm. or no, Days of Future Past. No, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, by, played by Alexandra Ship. Yeah. And I assume you, you know the version of uh, like uh, Xavier was in Egypt or something and she was a pickpocket. She picked his pocket and that's how he met her and discovered her. Yeah. Um, I love Storm. Um, my mind always goes to as good as Hallie was for me. Um, the animated series Storm, uh, just the presence that that character, the way she was drawn and the, and the way they animated her and the way her voice actress brought her to life, the respect she commanded, the strength she commanded, yeah. her tone, her just her vibrato, everything. Very much a leader. She sounded oh, very like much a leader. Um, and because of that, I think Damaris Lewis, who plays Blackfire in Titans, uh, Starfire's sister, yeah, would be a phenomenal storm. I think she'd be great. Or Aha Naomi King from The Upside. She was also in How to Get Away with Murder. Have you seen... You? We've talked a little bit about uh, Bel Air, the new Fresh Prince. Yes. Dramatization. Yes. Uh, the... Actress who plays Hillary. She'd be good. She would be good. I I believe she would be. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to number one. Drum roll. My all-time favorite. Jean Grey. Marvel Girl. She debuted as Marvel Girl in the X-Men number one. OG X-Men member here. September 1963. Created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The only character on the list created by Stan and Jack. She's depicted as Professor Xavier's laboratory assistant early on. Can you believe that? But it's crazy because she started out as the weakest member of the team. Sort of the, you know, she's just kind of there. And now she's considered not only the strongest member of the team, probably, but one of the strongest mutants ever of all time especially when she's manifested into the uh form of the cosmic phoenix Phoenix. Uh, she's an omega level mutant with telepathic and telekinetic abilities she is married to cyclops another favorite of mine you don't like him so much but i do in fact it was suggested by cassandra nova who's basically xavier's like evil twin uh, she suggested that Jean is potentially more powerful without the Phoenix Force. Now, I don't know how that can, can be a thing, uh, but that's 
the way it is. Gene is just like super powerful. Uh, she was played by, I can never pronounce her name, Fam- Famke Jen- Fem- Jensen Femke uh, in the, in the uh, X-Men series of movies and in the first class series, Sophie Turner, who I thought was a great choice. She was fine. Great choice, but in both uh, franchises of it, first class and the originals, um, neither one of them could pull, pull off a Phoenix storyline. Sadly. Yeah. Wasn't really them though. I don't think it was their fault. No, no, no. I'm not blaming the actresses. Just the story itself. Yeah, yeah. Like neither none of the screenwriters, none of the script writers, the studio could not the scoot the stu, same studio had two chances to pull off a Phoenix storyline. And they couldn't. I don't know if the MCU will tackle it for a third opportunity hopefully not yet i think that somewhat of wandavision was an even better telling of a phoenix story than the two that we were given by fox that untapped power that scarlet witch you're the scarlet witch you're the phoenix you're chaos you're omega you're you know you could destroy everything you could destroy everything it was done better in wandavision and i think that was their improving we, we, we could do it, but you've seen two fail. You could easily get a third Phoenix, but just seeing the title alone, even if it is from the MCU, might keep butts from seats. Well, if they put Gene in it at all, or if they give us a you know, Marvel girl, they're going to have to do it eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, or at least hint to it in some way. I mean, that's Gene's number one storyline. Yeah, it is. So, you know, at the at the time, again, another one of them that I haven't watched in years, but the uh, old X-Men three with the Phoenix storyline. I love the scenes with Gene just walking around and just dissolving people practically Thanos style before it was cool. You know, yeah. I loved it. I, and I love that version of Gene, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I think it was the better of the two, obviously. Um. And my uh, my uh, Dreamcast, uh, multiple times now, Maddie has told us how to pronounce this name. And I keep forgetting. Is it Sersha? Sersha Ronan? Sarish? You're asking the wrong one, buddy. I've been calling her Sayoris. Sayoris? Sersha? It's not that. We know that much. Ladybird. Yes. Or Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones. Who was she in Game of Thrones? Uh, the Wildling. You oh, okay. uh, maybe. But Depends also, on... what about what about a uh, um, uh, uh, Jenny Weasley? Okay, by Bonnie Wright. Bonnie Wright, yes. Well, I don't really have anyone else in mind, so yeah, we could maybe. Maybe see that one happening. What about what about the uh, younger redheaded girl in Stranger Things? Oh, she plays Max. Yes, she could be good. I guess it depends on the age. I mean, they're all not like nineteen now in real life, so it would be about time. See, the thing the thing is, is like. 
You know who would make a good gene and who could play that emotion is Sarah Paulson, but she's just she's you know, too old. Too old now. Um, you're, you're probably right though. God, she'd be a great Jean Grey. I don't know, man. There's so many talented redheaded actresses out right now, and some of them are already spoken for, like Karen Gillian, <laughs> and Sophie's already played her. Um, but I don't want to be boxed in by they have to be redheaded. You could make I was, them redheaded. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. They don't automatically have to naturally be a redhead. You can make them a redhead. So there's so many amazing, talented actresses out there right now that could pull Gene off so well. I just went to Google and I just typed in Gene Gray MCU potential casting. Maybe I should change it to fan casting just to get ideas. But one of the first things that I'm seeing is the girl from Queen's Gambit that you mentioned. Really? Yes. So I'm going to change potential to fan casting. Let's see what pops up, if anything. Uh, pictures of some young ladies that I do not recognize. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, they all look look great. Your uh, Lady Bird is on here. Emma Watson is Kitty Pride popped up as a, a thing. Ooh, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, I see a lot of these. I don't know who they are, and it doesn't show their their names. Well, regardless, I can't wait for the X-Men to come to the MCU. And a big majority is because of the ladies. I can't wait to see what amazing performances we get out of the women of the X-Men. And what's great about it is, like, you pretty much know that whoever they cast, it's going to be a good choice. I mean, casting is something they've almost got down perfectly. Yeah. It's it's 95% of the time they hit it right out of the park. Which so, I think is actually something we could do for it for Marvel or DC. I think the two of us could, could be in the casting department. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? That'd, That'd be, be great. Fun. Because, I mean, a lot of our jobs would be either reaching out or, you know, talking to the people who have auditioned or who are interested or reaching out and showing our interest to them. So we would be calling people like Damaris Lewis for Storm and saying like, hey, how busy are you with Titans? You know, because you'd be a great Storm. Um. I think it'd be interesting if we got to meet Aurora and Wakanda forever. Oh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be cool? I if think like between Wakanda forever, possibly introducing Aurora, Captain Marvel two, possibly introducing Rogue, Miss Marvel, possibly introducing Raven. I mean, we could subtly, slowly get names from the X Men and not have even thought. Oh, they're going to start giving us them without giving the team first. That's exactly what I was thinking. It would be great and so smart. Here and there. Surprise. Here's one. Here's one more. And then we all of a sudden have a bunch of them. Yeah. Rather than just all at once. Why not? not? Make it subtle. Make it like a subtle drip from the IV that is the MCU that gives oh. us our addiction that we what a feel. Cool analogy. Uh, so that is our celebration of the women of the X-Men. 
Uh, it's been fun. I've learned a lot yet again. The doctor. We always do. We too. always do. We don't. We don't know everything, unfortunately. And so when we do I'm shows like this, we we learn a lot. Yeah, I am glad we don't know everything. The more you know. The last episode of March, we will be talking about Birds of Prey, and I'm excited about that. But I'll tell you what I'm really excited about is just around the corner is a day that I think should be a national freaking holiday. That's April Fool's Day. You would. I I know. Um, We are going to release a special on April Fool's Day talking all about one of our favorite fools, the Joker. We've talked about the Joker quite a bit. Um, But it's going to be about a certain story featuring the Joker. It's going to be about the killing joke. Yeah. Well, that will be our April Fool's special. We've had an April Fool's special the last three seasons. We did a, a, a mischief managed. Yeah. Uh, we did. Uh, I can't remember the next one. And this one's going to be uh, all about the Killing Joke, the movie, and the the novel. Which I think I still have your graphic novel of the Killing Joke. Well, hand it over. Yeah, you know I'm the worst at letting. You sure are terrible. Yeah. I am awful. I still have your Sonic. Uh, I was missing that Lego Batman for like four years. Time. Time. Yeah, I lost it and got yeah. a new one. Well, now I guess it's mine. It's yours. Yeah. <laughs> I still got your Riddler thing to give back to you from Halloween and your shadow box that Rev gave you. Good Lord. And I actually found two presents that I forgot to give you at Christmas that I forgot to wrap. You spoil me. I spoil you. So I'm just going to save them for July. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that, so I work out pretty good. Well, nerds and nerdettes, thank you so much. Uh, we love every one of you. We want to thank our amazing uh, sponsors uh, at Manscaped and all of our amazing other sponsors like Advertising Expressions, and the list goes on. You're going to hear all of this, all of the ways to follow us here in a few minutes from the W5 on 30 and Nerdy as we close out. Uh, make sure you uh, follow us using the hashtag 30 and nerdy pod, no matter what social media app you're on. Uh, keep up with us. Shout out to us. Leave us a voicemail at SpeakPipe. Uh, send us emails. We love to hear from y'all. Uh, we got a lot of a great spring coming up for the podcast and an even better summer around the corner. Uh, Juice, you hang loose there. You take her easy. Uh, take it easy, everybody. Be good. Uh, out there. Yes. Be good out there. Be good to everybody. Be good to yourselves. And that's the bottom line because the juice over here said so. Yeah. That's about it for us because we are the best in the world at what we do. And what we do is nerdy. And now we're going to ride off into the sunset. So cheers to you. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy podcast brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Encore Theatrical Company, Tennessee Legend Distillery, and the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production. Founder of the Council of Nerds. Survive the apocalypse by finding 30 and Nerdy Podcast along with other amazing shows at podchaser.com. Looking for more on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast? Check out the website, 30andnerdypodcast.com. There you'll find our directory. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 
and everywhere in between. To leave a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com slash 30andnerdypod or you can leave an email 30andnerdypod at gmail.com Until next time, nerd up or shut up. Cheers to you nerds. I don't